severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to another episode of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If this is the first time you'd listen to the podcast or you'd only listen to a few of our episodes, this is episode 47. So there are lots and lots of great conversations in the back catalogue, so be sure to go back and have a look at some of them. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, as well as doing things like leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling friends and family to listen or donating to our Patreon, also feel free to get in touch with us. If, if you have any suggestions for things we can improve on or you maybe just liked a question we asked or you liked a guest or something, let us know. It's always nice to hear because at the end of the day, I'm just... A man on his own speaking into a microphone when I do the intros and stuff. I mean, obviously we get to have great chats, but it's always nice to engage with the listeners and and to know that people are enjoying what you're making and stuff. So yeah, please get in touch if you have anything you'd like to tell us like that. Okay, so now that the the rambly part is out of the way, it's time to introduce this week's episode. And this week on the podcast, I'm very, very excited to welcome a good friend of mine, someone who I've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time and I'm very very happy that um, we were finally able to make it happen. This week on the podcast we have Ed Wilkinson and Ed is a musician, a singer, he's currently in a band called Love Malison who are this week on Friday bringing out a new single called Flow so we're going to link all that in the show notes that'll be coming out this week so watch out for that and Ed is actually the big brother of Liv Liv Wilkinson, a friend of the podcast who's been on a few episodes. She was in the Christmas special and she was, of course, our very, very first guest on the podcast. So it was great to have Ed on. So yeah, for the second time, we'd had siblings on the podcast. But yeah, no, me and Ed had a great chat about a lot of things. We spoke about music and his band. We also, I actually managed to get him to open up about his time on The X Factor, which I didn't think he would talk about. So I'm very, very grateful to him for going into detail about that and being very open about his failures and vulnerabilities and stuff as well. It's always really good when a guest is willing to talk about things like that because I think it's very, very useful for us as sort of emerging creatives to to have those conversations and to hear those sort of things but very very quickly actually before I forget I should probably take a moment to give a special shout out to Hannah because me and Ed for totally forgot to mention her in the interview so hello Hannah I hope you're well and I hope you and the rest of the listeners enjoy this week's brilliant conversation with Ed. Hello Ed, it's nice to see you, how are you doing? Hello Jamie, it's lovely to see you as well. This is a, a very relaxed interview because of course I know you very well, we're friends and it's a pleasure to have you on. You're also, you're Liv's big brother, so Liv Wilkinson, the first ever guest on this podcast, the dear, a friend of the podcast, whatever people say in that. You are her big she brother. She was, wasn't she? Yeah. She, it, it, I remember listening to that and she was talking about things that she'd never ever mentioned to me, ever. <laughs> I was like, I'd never known her. 
or something. But then again, <laughs> she'll probably say the same hearing this, to be honest. Yeah, of course. It's just it's just my amazing way of getting information out of people. And you know what I mean? You just gotta I think maybe actually, yeah, it's more a reflection <laughs> on you than than either of us. No, no. You're, no. Well, you're, you've always been very easy to to like talk to. I, I can remember quite a lot of late night drunken ramblings. Oh, we do between us. Probably yeah. <laughs> probably very rare we'd actually had a conversation sober, isn't it? Yes, entirely sober. This is just, the, just uh, this is a coffee-based conversation, so we'll have to see what first, yeah, I'm purely high on caffeine and that's it, actually. Yeah, oh, I had a salad. I had a salad for lunch, so I'm full of <laughs> you know that, that's that's fruits. what that's what the listeners are after. They want to know exactly <laughs> what what was in your salad? Let's go further here. What was in the salad? Uh, so it was uh, it was quite basic. It was um, I forget the name of the type of lettuce it is. Cos cos lettuce. Lovely stuff. Uh, uh, with uh, I had a, a couple of boiled eggs. It's all thrilling stuff. It's all what the listener <laughs> wants to hear, you know. But I, I made sure it had an olive oil drizzle. Great. Obviously, as well as being Lev's big brother, it's not the only reason you're on the podcast. You are also a musician and your band have got an EP coming out soon and a single coming out even sooner. So that's kind of why you're on today. And I've obviously always wanted to have you on the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on. I've, I've always wanted to be on it. I just wanted to do it in such a cynical way whereby I could sort of sell something at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, <I> mean- <laughs> this time it's a single. To be fair, to be fair, right, we have discussed doing an episode for a long time since, you know, probably over the last eight months, but you kept saying uh-huh. very admirably, I don't have anything to plug and you wanted to have something. You didn't want to just be one of those musicians that's all talk. And that's, yeah. that's fair enough. It, it stems from, I was a singer of a band. I can't remember what band it was. I think it, it was some indie band from the noughties that nobody remembers. And he was really annoyed at getting a lot of press attention, uh, music press attention prior to the band actually putting out their debut album. And he didn't like the idea of being a persona before he was a, a musician or a creative. And I think I annoyingly hung on to that. I, the idea of just going on and like, if I'm on a night out or whatever, I, I'm so shit at talking about my own music because I feel, I feel like, well, you should probably hear it and then talk about it, if you know what I mean. So that's why it's so nice that now after two years of work, we're finally putting product out into the world because it's been a long time and people go, oh, what you've been up to? And it's like, well, it was lockdown. So pretty much nothing. I was making music and doing, you know, a bit of a crappy day job. That's all I've done. We'll, we'll uh, come on to that because, of course, we have a, oh, yeah, of course that we question will. lined up. Yeah. But no, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to go off on one the entire interview. You'll say something. That's fine. I'll be that's, off. That's, that's the whole just point. like that. That's the whole point. It makes it much easier for me. I'm just the facilitator. <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean, though, about like feeling like you have to earn how you identify as a creative because I haven't written much for the last year. So I, when people keep coming, they're like, Jamie's a writer. I'm like, stop saying that, please. I'm really not. <laughs> just a COVID assistant and, well, former COVID assistant. That's done now. Those days are behind us. It's a wrap, thankfully. Got my life back again. But, you know, I mean, I just do this podcast. I do lots of things, but I don't really like... You can definitely consider this to be a creative outlet, though, surely. Oh, absolutely. But then, I mean, saying you're a podcaster is a little bit... I think it's a little bit cringe, isn't it? Maybe not. I don't know. Negative connotations. I think just so many people have a podcast, and I think a lot of podcasts are very much people just... People and their mates talking shit... Probably like this interview, actually. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But so we can be very different from all of that, yeah, obviously. But I, what, I, what I've always tried to consciously do with this is, like, we have the really, really interesting guests on, and it's not really about me, it's about them. And I think I genuinely am very proud of what we put out. And I think it's a bit different to a lot of, you know, podcasts. But still, I do think, say, your podcaster has kind of negative connotations. But I absolutely know what you mean about feeling like you have to earn the role. And 
you've made the music now, so I suppose you can now you can talk about that when you've had a drink. There you go. Yeah. Yes, I can. Yes. Or a coffee in this case. Or a coffee in this case. But I I'm guess... on my second. I'm on my second, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, man. Yeah, you got your blue through mug at the ready. But um, I suppose I should sort of ask you one of the one of the other questions, because this is definitely the most uh, tangent start to a podcast I've done in a while. I think it's just because we know each other. But um, we like to sort of ask everyone that comes on the podcast. The first question is, what are your earliest creative memories? And this will be interesting because you came up in Liv's. So let's see if Liv comes up in yours. Oh, oh it's pressure now, isn't it? <laughs> right, right, okay. No, the only thing about it that I might get away with it for is that I am the older sibling. Mm. So the older sibling does often kind of give, pass down, don't they? I think Liv mentioned that I introduced her to train spotting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that that was you know, when te- I was technically mentioned. you're you're responsible then. If you're technically responsible for me and Liv's friendship because me and Liv's first ever conversation when she moved up to Edinburgh was our love of train spotting. So technically, you know, you have to take credit for that. Yeah, I've been the facilitator of friendship in this case. And then <laughs> had I not had I not done that, I wouldn't be your friend either. Exactly. It was a win-win for you both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think my um in similar vein, I, I don't know if you can call it creative. But my dad introduced me to Queen. My parents, they like music, but they're not overly music enthusiasts or whatever. They, they, you know, it's not like I come from a creative family or anything. Um, but the, the one thing I do remember being introduced to was Freddie Mercury and Queen, at the, uh, the Live Aid thing. I think it was, it was put on VHS or whatever and shown to me at, I can't have been more than four or five. And uh, I was, it was as simple as that guy is fucking cool. And he still is now. And you've got, to be fair, you've got to be fucking cool to be able to pull that off. I mean, yeah, you know, the vest, that, that look yeah, and, and great. All, yeah, iconic. you can't not be cool. Yeah. Um, I think that um, was probably the beginning of some sort of, I don't know, because when, you, when you're that young, you, you know, I think I wanted to be a Formula One driver, but I also wanted to be a footballer. But I also wanted to be, you want to be a Formula One driver. You want to be a, fo- well, hold on, there's a lot to unpack yeah. here. You want to be a Formula yeah. One driver. Yeah, because in the same vein, I've ah, been shown Formula One, you know, yeah. and, and it's all fast and, nah, fair. you know, it's exciting. The, the, and I, the bin man thing, I, that is quite I think I, I think I really liked the big trucks. Fair. Yeah. Again, you know, my mum, mum likes reminding me of that. Uh, I yeah, mean, just it's never just, too late. Just... Ed, if you need a career change of music, and <laughs> yeah, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But um, no, I I think when you're young, you just you just see stuff that looks like quite a spectacle, and you're sort of drawn to it, aren't you? And in the same, in the same way that like, like kids love color, vibrant colors, and you know, all the rest of it, you just like stuff that looks cool, really, don't you? Yeah, and then you get into it, and then and then you realise that actually, you know, probably being a Formula One driver involves a lot of you know science, precision, kind of not really me. So I'll do music instead because it's easier. Yeah, it's not it's, easier, but yeah, it's different. No. It's different, you know, totally. But you, what's interesting <laughs> is, um, and because this is actually the second episode now where we've had a sibling on, because we had Lydia and mm-hmm. Carla who are both both sisters, and like, is in, I find it interesting when families end up kind of both their all the kids sort of go down creative routes. It's different, but similar, you know, in terms of the, it's a creative route. So it's kind of interesting that you and Liv are both sort of pursuing, you know, various creative career paths. So there must have been like a lot, yeah. of, you know in your early days there must have been a lot going on there to to produce that i don't know i don't i don't i don't think any more so than any normal family you know like i say well if my dad gave me queen then mum gave me george michael 
<laughs> but but beyond that, there wasn't a huge amount of like um, musical input or or uh, cinematic input or whatever. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to attribute that to, but I do I do know that I I don't think I could have fathomed having a kind of um, quite conventional career path at least in my teens or 20s maybe you know maybe one day in my 30s or 40s hopefully happily married or whatever with kids or whatever it might be like when you get a real job now you know <laughs> I didn't mean that as a pun by the way just no I know. To, no, don't you know um but you know if if things don't um necessarily pan out as they hopefully will but I don't think there was anything particularly in our kind of childhood that that meant we were always we were always meant to be creatives or whatever i really don't think so um but that's happened. that's fine it's, yeah. yeah it just happens i feel yeah. like I, as a storyteller i'm looking for like a maybe looking for like an you know something more dramatic than it was but it's just the same with me no. like I, yeah i totally know what and, you mean. and i knew because i know that you like to start like this i did actually think about it last night i thought is this something i can give to him i'm not just completely lying through my teeth and there's not that's it's not, I, you know, just, we just, I just, I like music. I also like film as well, a lot, obviously. Uh, and Liv likes music and film. And um, from that, I think there's a kind of this kind of wanting to self-actualize and become, be in it rather than just be a voyeur the whole time. 100%. Yeah. Self-actualizing is a great word. I 100% relate to that. That was a... Bloody brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good one, eh? Self-actualize. That's a... We're all doing a bit of that. A lot of that, but get, just as something in Liv's head, because that was the first episode, so I haven't listened to it in a long time. Like that was, you know, that's nearly mm-hmm. coming up for a year, actually, in a few months, like nine months. Yeah, now. it would be, wouldn't it, right? Mad. Um, but like Liv talked to me about music videos and like how you showed her lots of music videos. So do you remember like MTV and stuff? Do you remember loving that as a teenager? I remember, and it's funny, I, I re-watched it, looked at the channel again recently. It was Kerrang, mm. right? And... And so now it's, I wouldn't really gravitate toward necessarily putting on, I don't think anyone really puts on music channels anymore, do they? But yeah. I was flicking, there was nothing on and I, and I went on it and I was like, my God, this is the most nostalgic thing ever. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so, yeah, you had these, I don't know if you get them so much anymore, but you had these big productions by, um, who's the guy who made the Smells Like Teen Spirit video? I know. One of the most famous guys in the business. Let, anyway, let, he, so let's he... Google, let's Google it and then it won't... Yeah, won't. go on. He, so he did um, a lot of videos for Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Nirvana, obviously, Green Day, My Chemical Romance, and they're these big, grandiose productions. And um, they, they seem like pieces of art in their own right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely would have probably passed them on. I mean, it's mad how in the space of 15 years... I remember sitting, watching Kerrang! with Liv, waiting for a particular My Chemical Romance video to come on. And we'd be there for fucking three hours sometimes. And how <laughs> instantaneous amazing. it is now, you know, it's, it's great. It's yeah. good. Uh, no, that is... Can you this guy's name? Yeah, Samuel Bayer. That's it. That's it. He's a very talented guy. And we're, we're going to be trying to evoke all of his cinematic mastery in our video for Flow coming yeah. very soon. No, so you, are you, yeah... Are you making a video for that then? Yeah, yeah, we will be. Um, it's going to be performance-based. My favourite videos are either extremely high budget, clearly had millions spent on them, or just the most simple fucking thing ever. You know, I, I, I like I, watching I quite, bands I quite, play live. Yeah. I quite like the most simple thing ever. But I've got a question about flow and I've got a question about music mm. coming up. So okay. we'll, we'll come on to that. But another sort of key question is, about how is how has where you're from had an influence on you as a musician as a creative like how is growing up in Worthing how is that how did that affect you and stuff um I mean I, I come from 
fairly nice place. It's it's just typical British suburbia, you know. It's, it's, it's quite nice, but it's quite boring in general. Mm. And I remember being first starting out in bands and stuff, 15, 16, and there was fucking nowhere. There was nowhere to play. And I'm 15 or 16 or whatever as well. So parents are like, oh, you've got to be home by 10 kind of thing. So going and playing a gig in Brighton was a blooming nightmare, man. Yeah. And uh, it was, um, I think I was about 17. I'm now a friend of mine opened a, a rock bar in Worthing and it was such a relief. I don't know if that, that probably didn't inspire or whatever, but that definitely gave me um, a, a place to sort of kind of practice on uh, stage. Yeah. And like a sense, sense a sense of belonging yeah. as well, as what I imagine. Yeah, it was quality. It was quality. And I still go back there now. I still like, I was there recently. I do, I do remember it because I was 17 and I came in on my 18th birthday. And then I was going, oh, I'm celebrating shots. You know, how old are you? I'm 18. You tosser. <laughs> yeah, because you'd been there the whole time. <laughs> You've been yeah, going been there for like six months yeah. already. Oh, yeah. they still let you come back, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be playing this soon, hopefully. That's good. But anyway, um, it's, it's, in terms of how it's inspired me, I don't know how much it has. I mean, I believe that that every every insignificant little thing that happens in some way informs what happens down the line or whatever. Not in a like far out dude way. It's just. Mm. It's just the way it goes. But um, when I listen to the songs that we've made, they they do evoke London to me a lot more than they do down here. Yeah. If I'm if I'm honest. But you lived in London um, for a long time, didn't you? Yeah, I'm going back soon. I've just been down. I've been down here for lockdown because mm. there was absolutely no reason to live in London really for a good year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going back there now. But um, bands all London based, and the songs they feel quite London to me so yeah i i think london may have informed me a little bit more than where i'm from necessarily although sometimes it can be a reactionary thing can't it of where i'm from doesn't i don't feel like i identify enough with it ergo i'm gonna be totally uninformed by it but then again i think that's subconscious i definitely didn't sit down and go i don't want to sound like i'm from Worthing. yeah can't have that i think the thing about these these questions that i ask is a lot of people haven't even thought about them and maybe I'm overly like I think I sometimes look for things that maybe aren't there or I just like to but it's interesting I just like to sort of like to know where people are from and I mm-hmm. like you know because we get a lot of interesting answers from that question like I love the idea of shining a light on different places in the UK and across the world and like little you know hometowns I, th- I just think there's something really interesting about hometowns I think they always affect people's creative creative art and output in some way. Yeah, I think um, Noel Gallagher was listening to him recently, and he was saying that you know you, you you write your best music when you are struggling and when you are not living in the most you know exciting marvelous yeah. place, and then and then if you do make it and you are living in your opulent palace of splendor on Hampstead Heath, you're probably not going to write the most identifiable um, music, and it's that whole what's the the um, Oscar Wilde, we're all looking up from the gutter thing. Some, some of us, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at stars. Is that the one? That's the one. That's yeah. the one. Nailed I mean, <laughs> I don't really want to compare Worthing to the gutter, but it, it works as a metaphor. No, I, I like it as well. I like this. That's something that I used to, you'd hear that quote at 17 in Glen Rothfish and you'd be like, oh, I relate so heavily. <laughs> 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 oh God. So pretentious, but it's fine. We love it. And speaking of Worthing, do you have a favorite word or phrase from where you're from? One of my favorite. Wow. Oh, God. My favorite one is probably um, Hove, actually. So 
people who there's this place just outside of Brighton called Hove. Mm -hmm. And so if you are somewhere you're from, say Brighton, <clears throat> I say Brighton if I'm in London, say Brighton. And um, they usually go at Hove actually. And it's just it's, it's the one thing I can think of. And it's become an expression. Um, we'll take we'll take it we'll take it wait yeah. for that to turn, be turned into a song as well i'm sure maybe one day yeah fit then to a song title Go well on. ed as a teenager and stuff obviously you're talking about like you're sort of getting into bands and playing and singing and performing you know how you had the rock place and stuff you're not gonna like the where i'm going with this question but i think it'd be nice to talk about for the listeners so when you were how old were you then when you so you briefly is this the thing the thing yeah, that you the warned thing, me about yeah the thing i warned you about but i think we should talk about i'd like okay. to talk, i'd like to basically talk about eddie string and yeah your brief yeah. your brief appearance on x factor which is very enjoyable but i know for you that is something you maybe don't always want to talk about but I don't think there's any shame in it. I think it's actually make you know it's very good for people our listeners to hear i think would be interesting yeah all right um so I would have I would have been 18 and you know that feeling when you're 18 and it feels like life has already gone on forever like especially when I think I've been pursuing music probably been in band since I was 13 I've probably been really trying in band since I was 16 and after two years I was sick of it yeah and someone um dared me to well, just go on x-factor then <laughs> and I thought went, yeah actually be a laugh wouldn't it and it was a lot. Um, but the, the problem is you go, you go to these things and, and you know, about 99.9% .9 of people get turned away because they're not as good as they think they are in their mind or they're not actually particularly engaging or entertaining or whatever. So I kind of expected to just sort of go away, go away, go, go back there. Because at the time I was a pretty shit singer as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> I mean, listen, no, no, you may have been a shit singer, but it was a hell of a fucking performance you gave on that X Factor. It was that that was pretty fucking badass. Yeah, that was the thing that carried me through. But the, the, the problem is, like I spoke about cutting my teeth or whatever the expression is in said little rock bar and little wording or whatever. The problem is, if you go most underground rock venues that you go to, the sound is just it's just shit isn't it you can't really hear what's going on most you don't really of the hear time. the singer you don't really hear the band you yeah you know it's sort of buried within so so i got really good at performance i got really good at working a crowd i got an semi okay maybe at songwriting but singing itself was fucking wank and uh <laughs> and so you you do what the problem was and i know i did a stroke song didn't i yeah last somewhere night. along the line yeah somewhere along the line um someone had pointed out to me that julian casablancas at least on those first two strokes albums wasn't a particularly great singer or at least wasn't he was good for what it was but in terms of his actual technique and that it was a distorted microphone sound mm. and it was quite slurred a lot of it and whatever. And, and you kind of just go, although that works great in that context and that, that totally suits the songs, you kind of just go, yeah, well, I can do that then. I'll just do that. Um, but then I brought fucking over-enthusiastic Mick Jaggerisms and whatnot into it. And <laughs> just a wee bit. It becomes exciting. You know. That's mental. How are you? I'm well, Gary. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. You seem at home up there. I feel at home. I feel like I've never been on this stage before, but I think I've finally found my place. Can you tell us your name, please? My name is, well, my stage name is Eddie String. That's what it is. Okay. Che you had a bit uh, of Russell, I think you had a bit of Russell Brand about you as well and the, the cheekiness. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I was a Russell what, Brand so fan. What year? What, what year? What year was this in again? Twenty eleven was that when that it was? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. So you yeah. ha- you go on X Factor. You have the leather jacket on. You literally like giving the judges cheek. You're high fiving the crowd and stuff. You climbed on the table with the judges. I just uh-huh. think for the age, like that's just totally like it's kind of funny and it's like it takes balls as well. To be fair to you, I know maybe you've a bit embarrassed about it now, but I think it's kind of yeah. I think that's quite a cool story to have, and you shouldn't hide behind it or anything. No, I think the only the only reason I um I don't like it is that especially considering the past couple of years where I've, I've worked quite hard to uh, build something that um has an hopefully an air of integrity where it's quite thought out and, and all the rest of it. You don't want that kind of being affected by this stupid little eighteen year old self from nine years ago or whatever. Given all that, so that's that's the uh, that's the only reason really. But I mean, yeah, I I watch it. I get. I don't watch. It, I sit and watch it. But so often be at a party or whatever. So we'll look at this. Look look at my mate Ed. And it's kind of like I, I feel like I may be get a, guilty of that myself sometimes. I think you may have done that. You may, <laughs> the worst one was a, a, on a huge projector at a house oh. party once. I was like, you fucking idiot. Anyway, I do watch it and I do I do grin slightly. I must admit. Yeah, but I get what you mean about it. Like you don't want it to overshadow. You want to be taken seriously now, and you want to feel like you actually, you know, mm. you're not defined by that like sort of young performance because you know. You ch- I mean, you're a different person at that age to who you you know you are now and that's everyone is yeah we'd all done things as teenagers that we were kind of embarrassed about like for example mine's is just a fucking really really cringy twitter account which i can't delete and i suppose <laughs> i suppose it's a shame for you because like the thing about it is it's quite like you know it's got like lots and lots of views on youtube and it's kind of like readily available so i imagine for a lot of people having that always there is kind of a little it's i suppose it is a bit uncomfortable as well yeah i don't know but then again i mean it's got a couple of million views or whatever on youtube hasn't it but, just, a, um, just a couple million so so yeah but compared to like compared to other shit fuck me like it's it's a you know it's a it's nothing compared no. to you know the, the bigger picture or whatever um so it's fine it just exists they still don't send me any advertising revenue for it <laughs> Yeah, we amounts about forty. Just out of curiosity, what what was it like being behind the scenes at X Factor and stuff? What because like, you got through obviously to the the next stage. What was that all like at the time? Like, as an 18, 18, 19 or what was sort of going through your head then? I think I I'd be a lot more fearful now. Yeah, um, I think you would. Probably I, more self aware though, right? Yeah, yeah, far more self aware, far more far more afraid of having who you really are detached from who you're portrayed as and, and whatnot. But back then, I, I just I couldn't really give a shit. I, I just thought it was kind of a laugh, and I was like. I know I'm going to get into loads of like clubs and gigs for free out of this. And, you know, yeah, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Proper good few months, actually. So I kind of knew that it would would kind of be a a lot of fun. But then I think the problem was that that producers on that show did definitely get my hopes up a little bit more than like, so I went in for a bit of a laugh, like I said, you know, with no real aspirations for, I just wanted to kind of in a, my own pathetic little punk rock way, sort of say, (laughs) fuck you to the X Factor. Yeah, you know, uh, you, you kind of made that bit, clear though. You made that clear. You're like, no one else sings the strokes on here. I'm gonna like, you know, take yeah, the piss. Yeah, but you I did your so. your performance is very much. You're taking the piss out of X Factor in that performance, like obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It was very meta. That's why it's so funny. Before, before it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> you're ahead of the head of the game. Yeah, I was totally. Yeah, people look back at that now and they go, actually, that was performance art, dude. That was, yeah. Um, no, I was. Um, the producers get in your ear a little bit from what I remember and do sort of tell you you're going to be the biggest thing ever you're going to be oh my god are you yeah and and when you're that young even in fact even if it was now and I'm 27 you can't help but um be slightly convinced you know and yeah. and, and 
you know. And so then, then when they do kick you out because you are shit, it's it's all a bit it's a bit depressing. But it's all right because I knew that I was going to get into loads of gigs and clubs for free for you know that, <laughs> that autumn. Gary, <laughs> we share a syllable. And Eddie, that's all we share. <laughs> Just let me say one thing. The personality thing is on the edge of being annoying. Just tone it back one bit. But I do think that was really great. Great energy. You could, you could ride the wave. You could ride the wave. But do you not think that's kind of dangerous, these sort of reality shows, and like they, that, there's a lot of mental health issues and stuff attached to these types yeah, of shows? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Fundamentally, I don't particularly like reality TV anyway, unless it's kind of a little bit more nuanced than Love Island or, or whatever. But yeah, I, I am not surprised that I, I was, because I took it fairly well. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that, because they get, they get kids on, does X Factor even happen anymore? I don't really I don't know. Think it does. But I remember they changed the age thing. I think I was the youngest I could possibly be at 18, but they changed it to like 16 or something. It's like the amount of, you know, crap we're going for a 16 year old's head in the first place yeah they don't need to be told they're going to be the next you know rihanna and then they're really not the next rihanna yeah they don't need that especially <laughs> like nowadays with like social media and stuff and all the pressure that's added on to that on top of the i mean when you mm. i mean i suppose even 2012 there was still that starting to come around but it wasn't as bad oh, it was there yeah yeah it was but, there but yeah i got quite a lot of abuse but i kind of i kind of enjoyed it in a weird yeah way. well yeah. I appreciate you talking about that time in your life, Ed. I do appreciate it. I think that was really... That's quite all right. Quite all right. That's quite all right. Wait, uh, I've been wanting to ask this you about is This is the first call it bit of promotion I've done for this band. And within 15 minutes, you've gotten onto that. So well done. Yeah, I said that's, I would. We had a drink together a couple of weeks ago when I last saw you and you're up in Edinburgh. Mm. And I said to you, Ed, I'm getting this off you. And you were like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> but nah. <Bastard. laughs> but um, no, we'll talk about what you've been up to now, of course, and like your actual, what you, your projects and stuff. So like, obviously after the x of stuff, you just sort of, I suppose a lot of your 20s, you just sort of been pursuing various musical projects, haven't you? Yeah, I, um, I moved to London shortly after that. And uh, yeah, I was in a couple of bands here and there. And looking back on them now, they feel like kind of like internships, mm. unpaid internships of, I talk about honing performance craft and whatnot at age 17 or whatever. But when you go and start to pursue it as a serious career, you realize there's a, a hell of a lot more to it than just, I mean, you need to sing pretty much in tune for a start is, is quite a requirement. So I had to do some of that crap. And um, and then and then also learning song, getting good at songwriting and whatnot. So I was in a few bands that I, I perhaps didn't really enjoy being in at the time, but were quite beneficial now because um, I don't think I'd be able to write the, these five singles that we're, we're talking about now. But two years ago, no, four years ago, I decided I was sick of it all again. I was going to go do acting. Yeah. And that was a real experience. I don't know if I've taken much from it, but um, it was a real release to stop being obsessed with being rock and roll frontman and uh, and try and be someone else. I, I quite liked that. How but long did I, you do the acting for? Because we didn't really ever spoke about that. I didn't really know much about that. I, I know not? You, no, not not a lot. So how, how, what what was the acting thing then? Like how how long did that last? And what sort of did you get up to then? I think I had I had a band breakup. That was probably the best band I've been in until the time. And I had a, a relationship breakup as well. And I just wanted to do something that was, um, what's the nearest thing 
to being a singer in a band that is nothing to do with music. And it just, you know, it just kind of made sense. And I love film. Everyone loves film. But I really love film. And I just thought I'd just give it a try. And the annoying thing was they just kept putting me in music videos. And I was like, <laughs> you don't really get away from it. I was always like, I was, I was always really up for like wearing like cool costumes and that. And the amount of times they were like, actually, they're just, just dressed like that. Yeah. It's like, fuck, what hell? Why, what, why, what? And, um, <laughs> and so I did, I did a bunch of music videos fundamentally. I did a play that um, was interesting. And, and I did a couple, I've got, a, there's a film that I'm in that's still going to come out supposedly of, of Shakespeare. And that's, a, that's not easy doing, to be honest. But um, at the end of it, I, I missed being in bands because it's what I really feel passionate about. Yeah. I felt very much like a kind of um, an imposter acting because I hadn't, I hadn't cut my teeth or whatever, you know, I hadn't, I'd done a acting course. I didn't, you know, I just sort of seen people acting and just go, yeah, I can do that. Just like the bin man thing. I was like, yeah, I'll just be a bin man. <laughs> Except for I was doing it with acting. And then you turn up and there's all these people and they, and you know, they're talking about all of these techniques and everything. And I'm like, I just sort of read the lines how I think the person would say them. <laughs> it's, it's like an, <laughs> it's like an extra. It's like an extra, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> Ian McKellen, I'm an actor and I said lines. Surreal, 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 surreal. You shall not pass. We'll put a wee interlude of that in there right now. I think that's good. Uh, <laughs> if we were to draw a graph of my process, of my method, something like this, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, action. Wizard, you shall not pass! Cut! Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. No, uh, no, that's that's interesting. And of course, now, and you said you've been sort of working on this current stuff for two years, and the band yeah. is called Love Malison at the moment. That's the, yeah. current, the current name of the band, right? And that, that will be the name. We're, we're not debating that ever again. God, that was an exhausting. Hmm. You try choosing a band name with four other people. Oh, well, five, three other people. Not done that since Night I was that. 17, but I, I remember That's the pain. Horrible. horrible. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, I just let's just ask a quick side question before we go into the, the, the juicy stuff. But uh, <laughs> what's the worst band name that you potentially nearly got had when you were coming up with this name? Uh, I was I was in a band age, I think it would have been my first proper band, age 13. And I'm not responsible for it, um, but it was called Climax Unit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's, know why. That's, know why. that's a bad that is bad it's a bad name isn't yeah. it it's a sort what, of what's, yeah. yeah what do you think the worst band name of, of like a band that you like genuine bands that are a thing like is there any band names that are stinking that a real have? real band name yeah um, not saying your band isn't a real band but they just mean like of like established bands as though like a yeah, band yeah, yeah. has a terrible name that you still quite like uh, hang on hang on um, I've actually got I yeah because well I always think of Foo Fighters but I think there's there's probably worse than that isn't there? Yeah, I think we spoke about uh, this after a few drinks the other week and I we just I like I vaguely remember this conversation but I think we're a bit uh, drunk. Oh, here's an artist, King Prawn. King Prawn. King, King like Prawn. It. King Prawn. King Prawn. Yeah. Ah, uh, but you said King Cruel. I'm like, that's mm. that's a good name. No, 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 no. King, King Prawn. Prawn. That's, uh, that's pretty appalling. That's not great, is it? I can't think of one for myself, to be honest. Um, it's quite hard to be put on the spot like that, isn't it? It is, yeah. I don't, I, don't, think it's most, I don't do it. We, so we, I could say we spent a long time working out this band name. And it was near, very nearly something else entirely. And we were about to submit music and that. And we found it was trademarked, even though there wasn't a band called it. Uh, and so we had to change that like, quickly, like quite on the spot, because we didn't want to delay. But coming up with a band name is really hard. The only thing is most band names aren't actually that great anyway, because the band kind of becomes the name 
after a while or yeah, the name becomes the band or the other way around so and we really wanted to go with a one word name but i mean all the nirvanas and talking about another one but one word band name they're all taken now you know we've got like 60 70 years of modern music history staring at us in, in the face on spotify or whatever is to come up with something that is simple succinct but but also really good it's almost impossible now i think so yeah so we went with two words love Marlison. yeah well let's let's talk about love Marlison now let's get into it what are love Marlison all about what's the what's the sound that you sort of went for how's that been progressing how's the ep and- uh, so it started off well actually, it's interesting it's, it's quite a nice link so like i say i was acting and uh on my very last acting thing i did it wasn't a run, say runner bit of a glorified runner was this guy who used to come and see my old shows in one, one of my bands around 2016 or whatever and uh i think i would have we would have caught up followed each other on instagram again or whatever and then a couple of nights later I got drunk and i was quite sick of acting by this point i really missed feeling when you're acting you're part of a cog in a bigger machine you know the whole project is way bigger than you or whatever. You're there to sort of actualize someone else's idea. Yeah. And I kind of missed having a bit more input. So I was drunkenly writing on Instagram the band I was going to make. And uh, and it was, <laughs> I'm going to make a new band, a new rock band. It's going to be, and, we're not, <laughs> and there were all these rules and it was like no encores. And uh, what was the other one? Everyone in jeans, which isn't really hard these days. And he he took this seriously, and I, I was I woke up next one. I was like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. And uh, and then he goes, no, you really should do this. I'll play guitar. And it turned out he didn't really play guitar. And so I sort of said, oh yeah, well you know, come round or whatever, and we'll jam. He couldn't really play guitar very well. He won't mind me saying this. This isn't a detriment. Anyway, I I think I sort of said, um, okay, that was fun, cool. And he goes away, and he gets really good at guitar really quickly. Like must have spent seven or eight hours or whatever a day for ages getting really good at guitar and then um we sort of reconvened and uh, and he could play all of a sudden and, and by this point i was really invested in the idea of it of doing it again so when it came to what what the sound was going to be i didn't fucking know because my music taste is quite eclectic yeah it's quite um, varied isn't it it's quite varied yeah so i just i sort of, sort of wrote in a real scattergun approach some of it w- was heavier some of it was more ambient some of it was quite pop some of it was quite inaccessible and and weird and Radiohead or whatever and I just kept writing and writing and writing and I found and I'd never had this before I found that I had learned the ability to write to a certain quality kind of consistently and uh, part of that was from uh, I started getting into um, home studio recording all that stuff which had always really scared me because I'm a bit of a technophobe but when lockdown came in there we, we couldn't get a band practice it just wasn't really a possibility and doing band practice on zoom is a absolute nightmare so yeah, so i was like well if i'm gonna do anything i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do this here and so i i learned um how to use a daw which is a digital audio workstation i won't get to it it's very boring for most people to hear about <laughs> i got into that and i found that i was able to kind of um, put across how i intended the song to sound because usually until that point go into a rehearsal room with a guitar and go this is my song and it goes this is the song it goes d to a to and it, you kind of you get the the, the good song fundamental chords. Oh my, this <laughs> is my song. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jesus, that's great. It's, that's, that's the follow-up single, by the way. Yeah, and uh, but, but with this, I found that I could actually get across my real intentions for it. And everyone in the band now, we've got uh, Tamer, guitarist, Spiros, uh, bass, and Adam on drums. And I can kind of give them what, where I see the song going, and then they can kind of, you know, fill it and interpret it a little bit. Yeah. And so the, the, what the actual sound of the band was until about probably March it was just totally all over the place because it didn't need to be rounded down yet. And now in the past few months, we've been like, right, okay, so we need to establish some sort of identity in order for people just to not look at it and be like, my God, like I I would love to be the most eclectic band ever, but that would make things just far more complicated for us to be able yeah, to yeah, achieve yeah. A, a, you know, a, an identity of following, whatever. So it's kind of been rounded down to this kind of slightly 90s tinged grunge thing, I guess, with what did I say? I said in the bio, I was writing. Bio, I've got, I've got the bio right in front of me. I can, I can read yeah, it out to the listeners that. if you want. So, okay, I'll do a nice dramatic voice. <clears throat> Born of a desire to offset infectious pop hooks and lyrics with a modern rock intensity, Love Malison want to move you both physically and emotionally. With a London based lineup establishing the froze of the pandemic. The songs can take you from lethargy to frenzy and everywhere in between. Catch the debut single Flow, streaming on all platforms, 6th of August, 2021. That was... <laughs> God, that was a nightmare to write. <laughs> that was... You want the idea of selling yourself. Oh, uh, mate, listen, hurts, Ed, it's fine. It? Honestly, I have to... I have to plug. I have to plug the podcast every week and run all the socials. It's it's not easy to do and it can be difficult. Yeah. So don't worry. <clears throat> yeah. Don't worry. It's all right. No, you should have read the first draft of that. God, that was <laughs> it was far worse. That was very <laughs> indulgent. <laughs> Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys. That if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But um, well, I, I thank you as well because you sent me like a sort of rough copy of the EP, which is coming out later on. So I got to listen. It's to It's not which is... actually going to be an EP. 
Really? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a single one at a time. Okay. Well, you sent me a copy of the music. We'll call it that. It might as well be an EP. And, you know, one thing I found interesting about it was I actually didn't really know what genre to label. And I thought some of the songs were different in a good way that because it's good to have a variety. But my favorite song on the the list you sent me was a great song called Monetizing. I really like that. It's a good little out there song. Thank you. The full name is Monetizing Human Interaction because monetizing didn't sound self-indulgent enough. There you go. So I I still really really go deep yeah that one that one was great I mean it goes back to my thing about writing with a laptop that was written from fucking around without a guitar or whatever and then bringing a guitar in and and whatnot and that was um so that might have informed why it's a bit like structurally it's a bit mad that the lead is it is a choir singing ooh but with about a million guitar pedals distortion pedals put over the top of it Mm-hmm. and then manipulating it and, and it just has this really weird sound but it struck me as just having I wanted to evoke dystopia I know it's not the most original thing these days um, but I wanted to evoke something kind of quite dystopic and have some vague sort of nods to who knows what this is about maybe it's about you know social media modernity internet all of that maybe it's about something else entirely and that choir singing ooh seem to sum up my feelings toward all of that (laughs) that's all all you need that's all you need this episode will probably come out around the time of the single coming out the first Mm -hmm. one so we can we'll put a link to that in the show notes and uh, people can go and look up the band and stuff and give it a listen but i have some fun questions about music and stuff now for you okay okay and the first one is and i've just made this up on the spot right okay you're you're in a band david brent Uh alan partridge (laughs) and iggy from this is england right who's playing what and what are you going to be called? Okay. I think Brent's <laughs> got to be the front man. Yeah, has to be. I think Brent Brent, Brent is front man, but he'd play guitar as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, could he? Yeah, he could. He would. Yeah, Brent on vocals and guitar. Uh, Partridge would be on drums. Um, <laughs> do you remember Do you remember that scene at the at the graveyard where Lindsay's yeah, yeah, yeah. mother's grave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just for that. Because, you know, he's just that which would leave. I don't, I no, we're not going to have a bassist, actually. I think Iggy would be more, he'd, he'd be like synth and key. keys. Yeah, he? I was going to say he'd be on keys, wouldn't he? Yeah. What are yeah. you doing? What, what, what are you going to do? Just guitar? Oh, yeah, thinking about it. I'm, yeah, I'll just be backing. I'm, I'm going to try and uh, disassociate from this. And do you have a name? As much what, 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 what are we calling the band then? Um, what are we calling? It took me three months to come up with the last band name, so I don't know if I can do it within the space of a, <laughs> of a podcast. What would the band be called? What are our initials? I, E, Oh, that's G. G-N. A idea, yes. <laughs> and Partridge would Partridge would just say, "Go idea." There we go. That was idea for a band. <laughs> that was that question is just there for a living, Kyle. So I hope they both enjoyed that as much as I did. But a more serious question is, um, what sort of who were I kind of touched that at the start, but like, what were the sort of big influences for Love Malice and like what sort of bands were sort of inspiring that type of music? Uh what were the big influences? And so, like I say, when we started, it was everything Ed ever listens to, basically, or everything Ed listens to and thinks he can kind of 
evoke himself mm. and i have a i have a big thing about love malison is undeniably a rock band really isn't it yeah, yeah. but i think the most interesting rock music is rock music that's informed by something outside of that so like if if we had set out to sound like royal blood or queens of the stone age or like a quite fundamentally rock and roll band it probably wouldn't have much of an edge it would sound like someone trying to sound like queens of the stone age or whatever and so and each song let's take flow for instance which is the debut single when i was writing that i was trying to write a billy eilish song great which might sound and when you listen to it you can you can go oh this has nothing like billy eilish ever you've just made that up but that's because i was just trying to uh, evoke a certain feeling that i got from listening to one of her songs the, yeah. the big one that uh, bad guy and i was like Everyone really likes this, and I think I, I kind of hated myself for it, but I think I like it as well. That's a great song, and so I'm not ashamed and so a great pop song. I, I found it. I don't like it at first, but I like it now. And I was, I was, I want to kind of get something across like like that. But then, of course, the thing is, like you, you just hear my demos compared to the final product. They're very, it's very different when you take a song like what I'd written there and then bring it into a room of free like rock musicians. It's totally reconceptualized or whatever. And so, yeah, each each song has a different influence. But I don't know, um, in terms of like overarching or whatever, Wolf Alice, one of my favorite contemporary Great band. bands. They're new they, they definitely Great. Get a chance to listen it to It is good, isn't it? Yeah. Last Man on Earth made me actually oh, cry. so sad. See, The Beach, part one and two as well. Jesus, break my heart, man. Great songs. They've been nominated for the um, Mercury Prize again. Good. They're a great band. Looking forward to seeing them. Yeah. Again, but no, that's an interesting answer to that question. Another good question for you: Do you have a favorite pop song? Like, what do you think the best ever? Like your anthem, best ever pop song, or just a pop song that you adore? How deep is your love, Bee Gees? What a song! That's a good answer. Yeah, that's a brilliant song. And we're speaking, we're, we're yeah. right now. Um, we're trying to choose a cover to do, or or more covers. Mm. And so we're trying to we're trying to work out what is the best fundamentally pop song that we can totally ruin, you know. And that could be a contender. I don't know how. I don't know how we pull that off. It could, could be good. Could be good. I think uh, pop's quite good at the moment, though. It's very good. It's very good because you have like Dua Lipa's album last year. What an album! It's great disco yeah. pop album. It's fantastic. There's loads of good music. Do you like on. the Weekends album? I haven't. To be perfectly honest, apart from the singles, I haven't really listened to it. But I, I, by all accounts, really by, all, by all accounts, it's very good. That's actually my next question. Is like, is there anything sort of coming out at the moment that you're really into? Like, what? Where do you think music's at? And like, what's? Is there any particularly for guitar music? Is there any like bands, newer bands coming out that you quite like? that you would like to, to shine a light on? Right now, I'm uh, really into a band from Australia called Stand Atlantic. And it's not usually quite my thing. It's quite openly pop punk, but it's done in, in such a way. The songs are just of such quality and they just put out a new album. So I would definitely recommend them. There's also a band that some people may have heard of called The Hunter. They put no, out a really good album last year. Check you never it. heard of The Hunter? No, oh, check, check that out. I definitely will. Quality. Definitely will. Yeah. Thank you. For um, they started a bit more what you might call indie and they're a little bit heavier now. They're not too heavy that they wouldn't be on the radio or whatever, but they've gotten a bit angry mm-hmm. and that's kind of interesting. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Well, Ed, and our popular question we've been asking recently, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you three categories so you can have a sweaty dance floor, a drunken karaoke night or a hungover Sunday. I'm just choosing one of them. Yeah, we're just choosing one of them. How drunk am I for this karaoke? As drunk as you like. Okay, we'll go for drunken karaoke. Right, what are you singing? Last time I did karaoke, God, this was awful. And I hated <laughs> him, right? It was the week after Prince, God rest his soul, rest died. And yeah, and um, one of my 
my favorite artists ever anyway uh, and we, I was at a karaoke night midweek just pretty much sober I think and the man just goes and now to sing Purple Rain it's Ed and my friend had just gone up and put me up for this oh god thing. it's Eddie and Strick. I murdered it I murdered it <laughs> oh, oh, god. No. oh it's oh, horrible god. did you put the performance in though um I think I may have so that may yeah have... I think I may have I think, I, yeah, I, I think I maybe got away with it. You just go yeah. off mic for the bits, you know, you can't hit the notes on. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. Just go point at the sound, man. You fuck. Yeah, just swear at the sound, man. But yeah, that, that's my last memory of karaoke, and I don't think I've done it since. It's been nearly five years now. Okay. No, fair. Well, we need to do, we need to, we need to change that, because I do love a bit of karaoke. It's been a long time. Miss it. We'd be chaos. I'll do it next time I'm on. We'd be chaos. It'll be chaos. It's a, it's a deal. It's a deal. Um, well, Ed, before I ask the last two questions, I, I'm interested in another question, which started to ask some BS as well. But like, what would you say your biggest failure as a creative is to date? Because I think we can all learn from failures. I think it's important to acknowledge. Yeah, biggest failure. I think I I was too arrogant as a late teen, early 20s. I was too confident in that it didn't matter. My musical ability didn't really matter. All I needed really was a bit of bravado and whatnot. The problem is that, that that is encouraged by, I'm obviously very into watching like rock and roll documentaries and whatnot. A lot of that is reinforced by watching stuff of people like, we're in the best band ever, but, you know, we knew we had it, so we were going to, you know, have it with you. And I kind of did, and, you know, like a lot of my favourite singers aren't technically great singers. And so I did have this arrogance of like, oh, it kind of doesn't matter as long as I'm in the right band or whatever, it'll be fine. Uh, and I, I, um, did, I don't know if this makes me sound old now. Hopefully not too old, but I do wish that I'd um, applied myself more to the things that matter. Yeah, a little bit. If I'd focused a little bit less on how my hair looked and all the rest of it, and, but it's all right because I got around to it eventually. <laughs> here now, you know. But I, I do feel like I could have probably gotten to this point a good three or four years earlier had I taken myself a bit less seriously. Maybe. So yeah, that's what I probably recommend is don't don't let a bit of ego's good. There's nothing wrong with a bit of ego. People don't want to watch boring people play rock and roll music unless you're Radiohead. <laughs> um <laughs> in which case it works. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say um take your ego out of it and and try to look at yourself as objectively as you can. Yeah. That's a very good answer. I appreciate you being so honest as well in, in some of what you talked you. about today. Thank you. Just get a real well, Ed, the the question the podcast is named after, but like what's the worst part-time job or the worst real job you'd ever had to work over the years? I had a job in I won't name the company but i was working for a, a fashion retailer and uh, i was probably the worst employee they'd ever had in <laughs> london that. and uh, <laughs> it's just i got this i started off in this shop in shoreditch which kind of suited me i guess but as the months waned on i be i and and you get it's easier i people don't like having a new job at first because they're all a bit conscious of them and what they're doing. I quite like that bit because you can get away with just being shit and blame it on the fact that you don't know where anything is and whatever. But as the months waned on and that excuse kind of failed, you know, I, I was taking it for many performance reviews, but I'd never done anything that bad. Like I'd never stolen anything. Yeah. I'd never, you know, refunded someone 300 quid by accident or whatever. I was just generally unapproachable by customers. <laughs> 
<laughs> was it because you, were, uh, you weren't into it enough or was it just because of the way you looked? No, I just wasn't. Well, unapproachable is the wrong word. Unapproachable was when they moved me to Canary Wharf. Right. And so, you know, you with the banking creme de la creme, who obviously it's not a reflection on any, every person ever who's a banker or whatever, but you do get a certain type of clientele coming yeah. in. There is a sort of, you know, and so I would be being asked, you know, how do you think this dress looks on me? I, just, I, just, I don't have an opinion. <laughs> really and uh oh no the, the my favorite response ever was what would which one would you pick if i was you if you were me and i'd just say i'd probably go to a different shop like, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah just, no. but they never fired me they just kept moving me from a different store to a different store and it was only when i took it upon myself like now this is seriously miserable this is you know you, you just get out of this that was that was when i finally did it but yeah Fashion retail. I'm not very good at that. Fair. Well, Ed, the last question on the podcast, and I suppose you gave advice in your your failure answer, but what would your advice be to anyone who wants to be a musician or in a band or just work in the arts in general? What would you what would your advice for them be? Make sure you actually enjoy it and you're not just doing it because it sounds fun. It's fulfilling, but it's not necessarily fun a lot of the time. You know, there are fun moments, but most of it is um, stress, anxiety, exhaustion mainly creative exhaustion you know uh, but the, and it's i i envy people who can do these things kind of for a laugh like someone who's in a covers band who play friday night at the local pub for free beer i envy that and i'm like oh god if only i could just really just enjoy it for the for the fucking pure fun of it and not be concerned about things like my creative identity uh, my autonomy things like that, getting to, you know, support my favorite bands, all these things. I wish it could just be like, I like playing guitar and singing. I'm just going to, just going to do that. Yeah. Cause I enjoy it. But then again, I have it, I have it with cooking. I'm, gonna, I'm going off in one slide, but I have it with oh, cooking. Okay. I love cooking. If it's, if it's not music, then cooking is my thing. I'm often getting told, Oh, you should be a chef. And it's like, no, that would ruin it. <laughs> that, would, that would be the end of it. So no, I'd say if you want to um, pursue something creative, make sure you enjoy it fundamentally for what it is rather than just because you think it it looks cool because most of the time you don't look cool most of the time <laughs> <laughs> and my last my last question to you is a yeah. bonus one what have you got to say to gary barlow now because <laughs> <laughs> he was cheeky to you wasn't he he was cheeky he was nice though i mean i he's all right no he, he was all right i think i deserved everything i got in fact i really deserved all of that and I didn't they didn't give me a really hard time in fairness I mean he let you go through to be fair to him yeah yeah they, I, I I came out and threw it at them a bit and they threw it back a bit it's fair enough uh, no I don't know um, what did I say to Gary um, say to him listen to know. Flow which is out on the 6th of August ah, Flow 0608 21 Got music it. video soon to follow yeah follow Love Malice and Band on Instagram all that shit I'm sure you can link it yeah, we'll, we'll just link it. Um, Ed, we we finally made it happen. It's been, it's been a very, very enjoyable Friday afternoon. I thank you for your time. I've, I've, this it's a pleasure. I don't know how much of this is mince and how much of it is great. I mean, from my perspective, <laughs> not you. Not you, of course. No, yeah. it's, been, it's been great, man. Oh, no, I've rambled, man. I've rambled. Oh, it's fine. I think we both have, but I'm sure they'll like it. 
So there you go. That was my conversation with Ed Wilkinson. Thank you very, very much again to him. We had a great laugh recording that over a coffee. It was very, very enjoyable Friday afternoon and I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as well. Remember, if you want to find out a bit more about Ed and Love Malison, check the links in the show notes. Keep an eye out because this week their single will be dropping on Friday. So be sure to check that out when it comes out as well. And as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, remember there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. And they are things like sharing us on social media, following us on our social media platforms, telling friends and family to listen, leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and also donating to our Patreon page. And you can do that by clicking the link in the show notes or going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob. And anything you can do to help is greatly appreciated. But anyway, wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Just Get A Real Job.